0: My daughter has wanted me to speak on this forever. And one of the things that you do when you build your sukkah, it's only supposed to have one door. And because of that, that's a picture, by the way, of the tabernacle, the temple. They only had one door to get into. And that is because there is only one way to get into heaven. Remember, the tabernacle is a picture of heaven. And I thought about doing that here as well. The tabernacle would have been very appropriate. But since my daughter wanted this, I thought, I'll do this. Because the other thing that you're supposed to have in your sukkah is you're supposed to be able to look up and see the stars. And when we are camping out, uh, it is kind of a fun thing to look up at the stars and see that I believe there is a message that God has placed in the stars. Now, there are going to be those who disagree with me on this, but we all can't be right. So, it's okay. (laughs) Okay. Answers in Genesis is one of those that will disagree. They do not like this message on the gospel and the stars. One of the reasons I would agree with, that is because we are talking about astronomy, not astrology. And we're not talking about Christian astrology, which is an oxymoron. There are Christians who do look to the stars and use it almost as Christian astrology. Not telling your personality and all of that, but to try and tell the future based on the stars. And what they do, and I've heard this so many times that I can't believe people keep doing it. But they'll say, oh, you know, the Antichrist is coming this year because the moon is at her feet. And we look and we're going to see Revelation says that the moon will be under her feet. And her is Virgo. And Virgo is up there in the sky, and the moon is going to be under her feet this month of this year, and so big things are going to happen. Okay? That is not what we're talking about here. And I would agree with answers in Genesis that you need to stay as far away from that kind of stuff as possible. I have seen many times where things based on astronomy, they have been saying that, some certain biblical event is supposed to take place. We are not to use it for that. Now with that said, it does not mean there's not a message there. And I think biblically I can show you this, as well as just what we see historically and scientifically. But biblically is the most important thing. Let me show you here Romans 10. Now this is speaking about the Jews and understanding the gospel. It says consequently faith comes from hearing the message. That's a good good thing, right? The message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they Israel not hear not hear what? The word of Christ. Of course they did. They heard the word of Christ. Why? Because their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Whose voice, whose words? Well, it had to be the prophets, right? Like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Not at all. This is a direct quote out of Psalm 19. And it tells us whose voice it is. Whose words it is. Check this out. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. They display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard their voice goes out into all the earth their words to the ends of the world now there is an aspect of this that there is no question that God you can see God through his creation it is not a 67th book of the Bible as some people will say not at all but Romans says that we can clearly see God's power his 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 invisible qualities his power his nature through that which has been made so that men are without excuse So, yes, you can look at that and say, there has to be a God. We can look at DNA, we can look at anything around us. A tree, a fly, tells you there has to be a God. But, we're talking about speech here, pouring forth speech. Do you know the Bible? I grew up thinking things like astronomy were just stuff to stay away from. That's astrology. To me, astronomy and astrology kind of equated... Because I remember my mom and Dad kind of talking about horoscopes. Don't ever read those in the newspaper. Hey, amen to that. But it kind of put me off to the stars altogether because Satan hijacked it. The Bible talks about stars and constellations. Job 99, he is the maker of the bear. That's the big Dipper. Orion, Pleiades. Pleiades is a star cluster within Taurus. I'll show it to you in a little bit. And the constellations of the south. The south is interesting. Uh, Just take note of that. Job 38, can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear and her cubs? We see in Acts 28, there was an Alexandrian ship with a figurehead of the twin god Castor and Pollux. Okay, this is Gemini, is what maybe you have heard it as. We see different countries sometimes have different names for the same constellations, but those names are going to mean the same. We'll talk about that more coming up. We see in Job 26, the gliding serpent, which is Draco, the dragon up in the sky. Isaiah 40, verse 26 says, Lift your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Now, back in Abraham's day, they say that there was maybe about 3,000 stars that you could see with the naked eye. Today, when we look at you know, the sky, we can see trillions of stars. It's amazing. And the Bible says he calls each one by name. Boy, if that doesn't show you omnipotence and omniscience. But I want you to take note of that because they have names. Do you know that the ancients, regardless of what country, what part of the world, have recorded the names of the stars throughout all of history, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Babylonians, they all named the stars. So here's the question. Do you think maybe the names that they named them are the same names God named them or called them? And I think as we look at this, you will be surprised to think or see that probably a lot of them, yes. You'll understand as we go. But I want to ask you, why did God make the stars? Because the Bible tells us. Well, to declare His glory is one. Exactly. He, in Genesis, says... It, it was for, time, for times and seasons. Times. What kind of times? Is he just talking about what time of day it is? Or, because we've got seasons covered. So, while I disagree with the astrology aspect of trying to predict the future, there's no question there will be signs in the sky to let us know, whoa, I don't have to predict anything, it's happening. Over and over we see that the stars will fall from the sky. The sky is going to roll up like a scroll. We see the star of Bethlehem. That was a pretty big sign in the sky. And guess what? They knew that that was a sign. We'll come back to that in a moment. Do you know that Josephus records that the reason that some of these pre-flood people had such long lifespans was so that they might understand this very thing, the signs in the sky. He attributes Adam, Seth, and Enoch to the ones who gave the names to the stars, that God attributed it to them, and then they passed it on to us. Ironically, then, what we see is the Tower of Babel comes. We know that they all have knowledge of that, and then they spread out, and they take that knowledge with them, but in a different language. Which is fascinating to me, because do you know that it does not matter where I go in the world, they have the same constellations, the same pictures. I will show you that in a moment too. How could that be? How could the people in Egypt or China, in the Southern Hemisphere, you do have different constellations, where what you can see that we don't get to see unless you travel there, but nonetheless, all around the world we have the same pictures. The Tower of Babel explains why that would be because there was a common knowledge and they went out. Now, their names are different, why? Well, because they speak different languages, but you're going to see that the names have the same meaning. What happened? Well, 2 Kings 23 5 says that. He did away with the pagan priests appointed to burn incense on the high places, to the constellations and to all the starry hosts, those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon. You see, people began to worship the creation rather than the creator. And that was not a good thing. Satan twisted what was good to get it to be abused and worshipped. Babylonian libraries are filled with all kinds of astronomy as well as astrology. Isaiah 47 spoke of this kind of thing when he says, All the counsel you have received has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Let them save you from what's coming upon you. We see this poem, a Babylonian creation account. And in it, it says Anu, who is their creator made excellent the mansions of the great gods in number. The great gods are the 12 constellations in the zodiac. What's a zodiac? It is the path the sun takes across the sky. And so there is a constellation for each month of the year. So at any given time, you will see four constellations up. Next month, this one over here is gone, and a new one is up. And so you still have four, but a new one. The month after that, the same thing. All right. So the stars he placed in them, the lumasi groups of stars he fixed, he arranged the year according to the bounds by those 12 signs which he defined for each of the 12 months three rows of stars. He fixed from day from the day when the year issues forth into the close, he marked the mansions of the wandering stars, wandering stars are planets, to know all their courses that they might not err or deflect at all. In other words, it's an exact science. They will not err at all. But what it is, what I find fascinating, is I knew a guy who I spent three days sitting at my kitchen table with trying to glean from him and he was just whew way over my head. I've got all his books and I don't understand any of them. So I sat down with this guy. He said that he could predict the day of creation. And I thought, you're nuts. Anytime I hear that, after three days sitting at the table with him, I thought, he might be on to something. I don't know, but he might be on to something. I'm going to give you the nutshell. I didn't prepare any slides for this, but bottom line, I've got to stop saying bottom line, is this. We know that it is an exact science, that they might not err or deflect at all. It is an exact science. We can, using computers today, type in a date, and you can see exactly where any star, the moon, or the sun was. Now or in the future. You type in, it's May something of 4004 BC, and you are going to see that all nine planets are within two degrees of one another, lined up back in 1995 and I have a copy of this letter back in 1995 National Geographic had an article in there making some big deal because I think three or four planets were within 15 degree alignment with one another and that had not happened in millions and millions of years so this guy wrote a letter to the Harvard astrophysics department which is the one that put this out saying check out this date And we have a letter back saying, you're right. Nothing about I'm wrong and we shouldn't put that. Just Yes, you're right. That's it. From the Harvard Astrophysics Department. There's a verse in Isaiah that talks about at creation, God seems to have arrayed the planets like an army. They lined up like an army. And so he thinks, which may be true, that those planets, when he first created it, that's when everything starts its motion. The winding of the galaxies even tighter and all of those kinds of things. So, interesting, because it is an exact science. So, anyway, that's a side note. We see Paul in Acts chapter 17 quote some of the, the, the poems of astrologers and people like that. It says, from Zeus we lead the strain. Oh, by the way, this is not Paul. This is the poem Paul quotes. It says, from Zeus we lead the strain. He whom mankind ne'er leave unhymned. Of Zeus all public ways, all haunts of men are full, and full the sea, and harbors of Zeus all stand in need. We are his offspring. That's all I need to read. Because when we go to Acts chapter 17... Paul says, for in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. He was relating to their culture, trying to say, listen, it's not Zeus, it's God, Jesus Christ. But this is indeed the poem he was quoting. Uh, there's all kinds of information that I could you know, show you on that, but we don't have time. Last thing before we really get started in this is how did they get those names then? How many of you have gone out tonight or last night and you looked up in the stars and you saw, oh, Virgo, looks like she's a virgin. How are you going to get that out of the stars? There's no way you get these pictures from the stars. Well, Again, Josephus says that God taught Seth, Enoch, and Adam these things. Why are these pictures the same, as I said? And no question they are, because whether you go one place of the world or the other and you see Virgo, you see Virgo, in some. the Hebrews don't call her Virgo. They call her Bethula, because that's the Hebrew word for virgin. Virgo is the Latin word for virgin. And so the same meaning, just a different name because of a different language. Well, do you guys remember Daniel when he was taken captive to Babylon and the Babylonians were big into astrology? Remember he was delivered out of the, uh, the lion's den and whatnot. A, a number of times he's delivered, but what, is ha- what happens after that? He is made, as the scriptures say, chief of the Magi. Who came to see Jesus at his birth? The Magi. How did the Magi know that there was a star that would appear and when it did, it would mean the king of the Jews is born? I think it's because Daniel taught them the real astronomy. Astronomy. And that there was a day coming, and there's so much here that I, I don't even think we understand anymore. But is, isn't it interesting? There are 12 constellations, and how many tribes of Israel? 12. And we have Dan is a serpent, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Leo. We've got all, I mean, there is one for every tribe. Okay? Now, I think it's been corrupted. I don't think we're going to be able to be exact on all of this. So I don't want you to you know, get too specific here. But in general, we're going to see a picture that is no new message. I'm not going to give you anything that isn't already in Scripture. But a message, as we read in Romans and Psalms, that declares the glory of God and gives us the same exact Gospel message. That the creation does proclaim not only his handiwork, but his plan. When did God choose you? Before the creation of the world. Before he created the stars. He knew the gospel message. So why would he not put the gospel in his creation? Makes sense to me. Well, let's see if there's anything to really back this then what you're going to see is here is the zodiac twelve constellations for the twelve months of the year as I said three up every time or four of them up every time what you're going to notice is that I've got them divided into three different books now by books I simply mean a set of four where do you start in a circle we'll get to that in a second but before I do I just want you to notice here what things look like actually Number one here, notice there is a, this is a woman with a branch in her hand. That's what you'll always see. Here is a pair of scales, a scorpion, half man, half horse, centaur, shooting scorpion. In Egypt, I don't remember, when we went to Egypt, those of you who went with us here, I wanted to show you the calendar. An Egyptian calendar, you can buy it at their papyrus shops and all of that. This is... From 2000 BC, what I just showed you was a modern-day zodiac. Here we see the their calendar. What we have are there are 24, or maybe it was 12. One, two, four. That 12 people around the earth representing the 12 months of the year. There are 24 hands for the 24 hours of a day. Inside that, you have 52 symbols for the 52 weeks of the year. And inside that, then you have the zodiac. And let me see if I can find it. Here is a woman with a branch in her hand, a pair of scales, it's upside down here, a scorpion, half man, half horse, shoot scorpion. And we're going to see all of these. You'll see Pisces, you're going to see Capricornus, you're going to see Aries. It's, It's all there. Nothing has changed since 2000 B.C. when it comes to the Zodiac. Here it is blowing up a little bit easier for you to see. Woman, scales, scorpion, shoot scorpion. As I said, where do you begin in a circle? Don't know for sure, but based on Egyptian archaeology in a lot of the temples they will have the zodiac but rather than in a circle it goes in a straight line and it's interesting because they have the sphinx always between Virgo and Leo now they're next to each other in your circle Virgo and Leo the woman and a lion the lion is the last one and so some believe that the word sphinx means to unite and therefore you have the beginning united to the end which you have the head, then, of Virgo, and the tail end is Leo. Half person, half lion, when in the Sphinx. Don't know? But it's a possibility. But they always have, when it's in the straight line, it makes sense that they always have the Sphinx in between those two. So, when we show you these books... What I want you to see is that there are four in each book, like I said. And there is a pattern to each of these. The first one that I show you is always going to simply identify who that person is in prophecy. The second one is going to show the work of that person as they do it in grace. You'll understand more as we go. The third one is going to show the work done in conflict. And the fourth one is going to show the final fulfillment of the prophecy of that person that was identified number one so the person the work they do in grace the work in conflict and then finally a fulfillment so let's start the very first one is Virgo the Virgin I'm gonna go through these quickly but the first one in Hebrew they call her Bethula as I said in Arabic they call her the branch in Ceres uh, Greek they call her Ceres In Egyptian, they call her espolia, meaning ears of corn. Uh, I'm not going to give you all of them, obviously. I just want to show you I'm highlighting some things here. Most of them focus on the branch, not the virgin. Virgo is virgin. But this shows us that the branch is the most important part. Now, you may have heard like Alpha Centauri, uh, beta Centauri, whatever what that is is it's how they classify the stars so if you take astronomy courses you take a constellation and the brightest star in centaurus is the alpha star so that is called alpha centaurus okay then the beta star is the next one just following the Greek alphabet in brightness the brightest star in this constellation is in the wing or not the wing, but the branch right here. And its name is al zimak In Hebrew, Semach. Now, Semach is a very important word. It means branch. There are over 20 words that can be used for branch. You know, just like we might have twigs, stick, branch, pole, whatever. But this word Semach, for the brightest star in this constellation, in the branch which is, by the way, why they get these pictures. Like I said, you don't look up and say, oh, there's a woman, and she's a virgin. You can't even see that she's got a branch in her hand. But yet, all around the world, they've got a branch in their hand. Why? Because the name of the stars tell you that. That star name is branch. So, they make it look like a branch. The name of the stars tell the picture, not how it looks in the sky so much. Well, let me show you how that word semek is used. I'm going to show you every example that's used in Scripture, okay? Here's the first one. Jeremiah 23, verse 5, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous semek, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. It's talking about Jesus there, folks. Zechariah 3.8, Listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates seated before you who are men, symbolic of things to come. I'm going to bring my servant, the semek, Another prophecy of the Messiah. Zechariah six twelve. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says: Here is the man whose name is the Simic, and he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. Another prophecy of Yeshua. Isaiah four two. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. That's every place where that word is used. And in every place that that word is used in Scripture, it is talking about the Messiah. Now, you tell me why in the sky do we see a virgin bringing forth a Tzemech? Doesn't that sound like maybe Virgo is a picture of Mary? The second brightest star in this constellation, the beta star, is in the wing. Note this verse, in the branch of the Lord will be what? Beautiful and glorious. What's the name mean in this this second brightest star? Gloriously beautiful. I don't think this can be an accident. Now, obviously I'm not going to give you the names of every star in there, but just to show you I'm not cherry picking, like, oh, here's one, and oh, there's a story there. I'm going to give you a few names and just fly through them because otherwise we'll never get this done. The epsilon star in the right arm, who shall come down or who shall have dominion? Another one, the branch, spike of corn, who carries, she's carrying the branch and so on. But who shall come down and who shall have dominion? Who could that be? There's only one person who shall come down and have dominion. Um, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. A sign. And yet we see that there was a sign in the heaven. And guess what? We know when Jesus was probably born at the Feast of Tabernacles. And guess what constellation is up over in Israel at that time? This one. Second one is scales. It's called Libra. 51 stars in it. Names of the constellation itself are weighing, the scales weighing, station of propitiation, purchase or redemption. Propitiation is a word we don't really hear much in the King James. It basically is what Jesus is for us, our propitiation. It means to step in the place of someone else. So he died in our place. So what we see here, these are scales, but it also has a redemption and a sacrificial aspect to it those are the names of the constellations. It's interesting Isaiah 40 talks about scales and it says who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or the breath of his hand marked out the heavens who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on scales and hills in a balance. This is basically talking not about literally weight as much as measuring people. Look at this in Psalm 62 talking about men, people, he said, if weighed on a balance, they are nothing. In other words, if you're judged on your works, you will fail miserably. Now I want to show you that this is a very common understanding of scales in Scripture. And in ancient times. For example, here. Um, Revelation 5.9, talking about propitiation as well. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with the blood you purchased men for God. Well, the beta star here is the price which covers. And it is in the uh, upper scale there. If men are weighed on a balance, what's going to happen? We're going to be found wanting. There has to be a price that covers. Well, Remember I said that we identify the person in the first one. We've identified that person, the Tzemek. The second thing that's going to happen is we're going to see that that person, his work done in grace. He purchased us. He was the price which covers. And then the gamma star is the price of conflict. Heaped up high is another name, almost like your sins being piled to the heavens as the scriptures say what I wanted to show you is that this understanding I'm not again making this up here is the judgment scene from Egypt as well what we have is when you die this person here is dead this God is recording their sins all the works of their life then this God leads you to the judgment seat The judgment seat is a pair of scales. They take your heart out, (coughs) and they put your heart on the scale. Then they put a feather on the other scale. And they would teach that if your sins were heavier than a feather, then this God eats your heart. This guy is also recording your deeds here. Let me tell you, if weighed on a balance, you would perish but Jesus is the price which covers. And so my whole point is that this is the picture scene with scales in ancient times. It's a judgment scene. Always has been. One of the interesting things is in the Acadian constellation of this, they don't have a pair of scales, they have an altar. Again, that is how our sins have been paid for was the altar that Jesus died on. The cross. Okay. The next one, the price or the, the work of this person done in conflict. In mercy, he gave up his life on the cross for us. In conflict, he would have his heel bruised. Remember the prophecy? In Genesis 3:15, "You will crush his head, but he will bruise your heel. The next one is the scorpion. And what do we see? Here are names of the conflict or war wounding he that comes. Well, we already decided who was coming. The one who would come down and have dominion. This one is wounding he that comes. Attack of the enemy. So, those are names that are there. I want to show you the picture in the sky, what you see. And this is one of my favorites in the sky. Is I, You'll see over here in the southern horizon, you, you'll see Ophiuchus. And Scorpio. Scorpio... Is this serpent, this uh, scorpion? I made this up, so this is not exact uh, to whatever, because there should be a star here that's not, and so on. But is this Microsoft Paint? yeah, probably I did it years ago. Ophiuchus is there, standing in the sky. Now, I'm going to tell you this: when you have your zodiac, the stars up above, or the constellations above and below, will tell the exact same story of the ones. I might give you some examples, but. What we see here is scorpion. Guess what? His his heel is right on the head of the scorpion. Right on the head of it. And I think it'll be coming here in a second so I'm not going to give it away yet. But his head there and the other one, the scorpion is stinging the heel. Now Ophiuchus is a whole new constellation that cross is in the sky no matter where you go in the world as well by the way there's a couple of them up there but he is holding a snake the snake itself is another constellation and all the names in it are evil notice he's trying to grab the crown the crown is another constellation called the corona borealis he's holding it not allowing it to get the crown You will see later on, as we go through this story, there's going to be a guy wearing a crown for the first time. Because he gets dominion. He's king. But right now, it's a struggle that he does not get that. Over and over in the constellations, what you will see is a God figure crushing the head of an evil figure. Over and over and over. Genesis 3.15, that prophecy I just said, so I won't read it again but I'm going to show you some of the star names here. The alpha star, the wounding, the perverse, showing this is a perverse person doing the wounding. Well, there is a star right in the heel by this, and you know what the name is? Bruised. Again, that prophecy. It is a perfect picture no new message that isn't in Scripture but the same picture that the scriptures describe next one half man half horse shooting scorpion we see names like um, archer arrow graciousness or beauty of the coming forth archer again well the Bible says that when the Lord comes back it says he will In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. Let your right hand display awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. That's exactly what he's doing, is piercing the heart of who? The enemy, Scorpio. Revelation talks about the Lord coming back on a white horse to do what? Bring justice, judge. Psalm 64 You will shoot our enemies with arrows, suddenly they will be struck down. Let the righteous rejoice. Other names in the constellation here are Gracious One, Going or Sending Forth, The Dart Who Comes Forth, Writing of the Bowman, Prince of the Earth, Beauty of the Coming Forth, He Conquers. So going through this quickly, what you've seen in book number one is this: Jesus is born of a Virgin Mary. He dies on the cross for our sins to cover it. In so doing gets his heel bruised, but crushes the head of the devil so that when he comes back, he will put down the enemy forever and bring justice and judgment. In essence, that's the picture of the first book. Now, like I said, above and below, I'm going to really fly through these. You have Centaurus saying the same thing. The pierced, despised, heretofore, after. All of those fit Jesus. And guess what? where his spear is going. It is going into lupus, another evil figure. Just like Sagittarius Sagittarius is shooting uh, Scorpio. He's defeating one. The Bible talks about, okay, despised here. Jesus was despised and rejected by men. He is the one who is and who was and who is to come. The heretofore and the heretoafter. All of these are pictures in Scripture that define Jesus. Ophiuchus, I showed you that one there, so I'm not going to deal with it outside to show you some of the names. Chief of him who comes. Bruised is one of the star names to tread underfoot. The wounding, contending, um, things like that. Up above that, we also have this one here. We see Hercules. Hercules, you can see where the, in the sky where it's at. The serpent is trying to get the crown from Ophiuchus there. Hercules has a three-headed monster, serpent, in his hand. A club about to strike them. Why three heads? Remember, Satan is a trinity just like God is. He is the Antichrist, the beast out of the earth, and the beast out of the sea. The the dragon, the beast out of the sea, the beast out of the earth. There is a trinity. Satan always mimics what God does. His left foot is standing right on the head of Draco, the serpent, the dragon, crushing the head of the dragon. Same picture that we see here with Ophiuchus crushing the head of Scorpio. So there is consistency above and below them. Um, I'm not going to talk about Bodhis. He's the harvester, that kind of thing. Um, Harvesting the earth, take your sickle and reap, that kind of thing that's seen. Um, We also see uh, Draco here. Draco the dragon The whole northern sky is a picture of heaven. I love the north sky. Because it is heaven. You're going to see that here shortly. You have Draco the dragon, though, is going in between the big and the little dipper, and he is being cast out of heaven. Remember, then, his head is being crushed as well, but he's being cast out of heaven. Now... This, after kind of putting this together, I was reading in Scripture, and this just blew me away, because the whole, as I said, northern sky is heaven. Look at what Scripture says. Isaiah fourteen thirteen through 14 For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, where? In the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Why the north? And that is exactly where we're seeing, as you will see, heaven everywhere. The, the bridegroom, all of it. It's, it's amazing. And so that verse kind of blew me away there when I ran across that. Um, we see, obviously, scriptures like the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. So, in essence, that's what we're seeing here. Um... Leviathan, the coiling serpent, he will slay the monster of the sea. Lots of different verses, but anyway. Book 2. Book 2 starts with Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, and Aries. And you'll see what it is. First of all, Capricorn. It's a half goat, half fish, kind of lively, but yet look like it's dying. Um, Names are place of the sacrifice, kid, or cut off, cut off, goat. So sacrificial terms. It's a sacrifice, and it's a kid or a goat. Those are what we see in Scripture all the time. Two goats in Scripture. Remember, we talked about this for the Day of Atonement, the scapegoat and the sin offering. Um, You're going to see two goats up here as well, which is interesting. Uh, Here are some other names. Sacrifice comes, sacrifice slain, the slaying, record of the cutting off. So clearly it's a sacrifice. The next one is Aquarius. He's pouring out water. The water goes out and there is a fish with his mouth open receiving the water. Basically, he's pouring out blessings, you might say. Names in him are place of him coming down, the water urn, pourer forth of water. There are many scripture verses talking about that being a blessing and pouring out those blessings. Other star names... Uh, Pourer out who goes and returns. Jesus goes and he returns. He's going to pour out blessings. Um, Isaiah 44, verses 2 and 3, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Pouring out. Isaiah 32, Each man will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert in the shadow of a great rock and a thirsty land water is a blessing Isaiah 33 there the Lord will be our mighty one no galley with oars will ride them no mighty ship will sail them Uh, I'll just skip that one for now I will sprinkle clean water on you you'll be clean I'll cleanse you from all your impurities Now, some of these might be a stretch I don't know but the general picture is he is pouring out water water is also a picture of the Word of God the Spirit of God we just talked about that in tabernacles when they're pouring out the water what are they doing? They're asking for the Holy Spirit and rain. Water. It's being poured out. Well, who's receiving the water? Well, one of them is one of these fish here. Two fish. Very interesting. Because the names of the constellations are fishes of him that comes. the meaning. Fishes. Fish lengthened out, as in prosperity. Blessed. So here you have Aquarius pouring out water and the fishes of him are receiving the blessing. The fishes of him who comes. We know that God has chose us to be his inheritance. He chose Israel. We know that there are a people that the Lord has blessed. That's who we are. We know that there are two of them. Just like we had Ephraim and Judah or Judah and Israel, right? the northern and southern kingdom, or you could even say Jews and Gentiles. We know that they are going to become one. And here's the amazing thing. These two fish are later going to become one as we go through the story. The two become one. United together. You'll see that later. Um, There are all kinds of verses talking about joining the house of Israel with the house of Judah. I'll choose Israel. will settle them in their own land. Aliens will join them and unite with the house of Jacob. The Gentiles uniting with the uh, Jews. We see Ezekiel 37. I'll make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them. And they will never again be two nations or divided into two kingdoms. We'll be one. Now, in the sky, you're going to see they're attached to a band. They are bound together. But you have a guy named Cetus, Cetus the sea monster, who is holding that that band or those chains, holding them together. I'll talk about that later. Aries, then the last one here. Uh, Aries we see is, again, a sacrificial animal. We see the names are righteous sacrifice. Merciful sheep, lamb, reign or dominion of Amen. Other star names, wounded or slain, bruised or wounded, the bound. All of these. Um, Revelation, obviously talking about Jesus being the lamb of God. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. So, in essence, book two, it's this. You have this sacrifice, Jesus dying and rising, and I didn't really talk about that, but a fish is kind of more lively life, the sacrificing goat kind of coming. But anyway, that's how they describe it. But bottom line is, Jesus dies, he rises from the dead. When he rises from the dead, he pours out his spirit to his people. And his people, then, will be set free by Ares because he is the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Now, Cetus the sea monster, I didn't tell you this either, but in the sky, Cetus the sea monster is holding Pisces, the, the bands. Aries has his paw also on the bands, about to break those bands, to free, to free the, the fish. Same picture, by itself I don't know if I'd have gotten that. But you look at the pictures above and below it, and we see the exact same story. We have uh, Cetus the sea monster holding these chains here of Andromeda. Notice her name set up as queen, chained, stretched out. She's bound, just like those fish were. She is broken down, weak, afflicted, struck down. Many times the Bible uses those terms to describe Israel. O afflicted city... You afflicted one. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. I mean, just over and over we can see those type of things. Well, right next to her, okay. keep in mind she is chained. Note that. We then have Cepheus up there. This is in the northern sky now. Cepheus is this crowned king. Remember the crown that the serpent was trying to get? He now wears it. And it's this one comes to rule. King comes quickly. The Redeemer who bruises or breaks. Those are star names. Right next to him in the sky, you have this reigning king. Right next to it is this beautiful picture here. We see this woman with star names The Branch, The Freed, The Freed set up as Queen, enthroned. Remember, Andromeda was chained up and set up as queen, or queen. Now she's set up as queen, but she's the freed because Jesus breaks those chains. And so Cassiopeia and the king are right next to each other, being united. In other words, the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And we can, you know, there's all kinds of scriptures that will talk about that. Isaiah 54, Isaiah 62. Um, No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Here's Cetus, the sea monster that has his, you know, holding, binding them. Names like bound or chained enemy, overthrown or thrust down, the rebel. Our star names in him. And again, he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. We have, the, again, a serpent, the Medusa-type thing, being, the head being crushed, same picture. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm going to kind of keep going. That's book two, last book here. Book three, Christ's second coming. What we're going to see is, this is the judgment day. This is what I think maybe we're about to live out. (laughs) The bull is going to come charging to judge. Then you're going to see the unity of the bride and Christ living in heaven with the lion of the tribe of Judah. You'll see. We have here the bull, Taurus, who saves or delivers. Bull coming, ruling, Those are all names there. In the neck of the bull, we see here Pleiades. Pleiades is a constellation of stars. One of them is named Congregation of the Judge. When the Lord comes to judge the world, who does He bring with Him? All the saints follow behind Him. That's what Revelation tells us, right? We see other names, wounded or slain, leader or governor. Um, abundance, center of foundation, belonging to the judge. And names like, or scriptures like Jude 1 talk about the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone. Um, here's another verse in Isaiah 34, just talking about his wrath and he's going to totally destroy them. Right next to that, after the Lord comes, we see here, Gemini, place of him who comes, and united. Remember, the two fish were separated. Now, they're united together, and we see, and not just the fish, but other places. Now, they're together. For the first time in the sky, you do not see the bow being strung. Instead, you see a harp, and you see peace no heads being crushed, no swords being drawn. It's peace. Northern sky. Names like ruler, who comes, hurt, wounded, afflicted. Remember what the names of Andromeda, Cassiopeia, afflicted, but now they're no longer. It kind of identifies them as the same one. To set, to tread underfoot, branch spreading, palm branch, seed or branch. Um, Next one is a weird picture, it's a crab. Some of the ancients do have a different picture with this and it's an owl. An owl has been a picture of wisdom they say. So I don't know why this picture, how it all fits, but the star names are interesting. Star names, sacred beetle, cattle, folds, who holds or binds, holding or encircling, possessor of seeds. Multiple offspring, holding, sheltering, hiding place, assembled thousands, kids or lambs. All of them are a picture of a holding place where you are being sheltered and they are kids. They, are the, they belong to the judge, you might say. It's like a heavenly home where you are sheltered, hiding out, protected Next one, Leo, God's wrath is seen. We see who conquers. The lion, the lion, the lion coming. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. We see treading underfoot. He's the judge. He's exalted. He is shining forth. He is punishing. He is the coming judge who seizes. He is the enemy, or putting down the enemy. All of those star names give you a picture of judgment, of the one coming to rule. And that is why Revelation 5:5 5, 5, then one of the elders said to me, "Do not weep; see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the seals." Genesis 49:9 prophesied about Jesus being from Judah as well. So again in essence, this is what you're seeing. The Lord coming back to judge, uniting The wedding banquet of the Lamb. Living in heaven with the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Here's what I think is cool about that. Revelation 16, 17, 18, Revelation 19, Revelation 20, Revelation 21. Exact order. That's what you read about in 16-18. through Revelation 19 is the wedding banquet of the Lamb. Revelation 20 talks about heaven. And 21, even more so the New Jerusalem with the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Same exact order. Pictures above and below telling the same story. We have actually three different constellations here Hydra, Crater, and Corvus. Amazing. Because the whole scene of this book is judgment and the Lord coming back. Same thing here. You got a serpent, and what's being poured out on it? A bowl. A bowl being poured out. The raven is pecking at it. That is exactly what Scripture says. When the Lord comes back in Revelation 16, the cup of the wine of His fury, of His wrath, is going to be poured out on Satan's kingdom. Psalm 75, 8. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. Proverbs 30. The eye that mocks a father that scorns obedience to a mother will be pecked out by the ravens. Revelation 19, the rest of them who were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And what happens? All the birds gorge themselves on their flesh. That's the picture you're seeing, is judgment on those three right underneath these constellations. Then you have this one as well, the good shepherd. I love this one because, again, there's no bow being strung instead you got a sheep almost looking back or a goat as if it was being chased but it's safely in the arms of the shepherd and the names are shepherd power um, wounded or slain uh, band or chain of goats she goat wounded and so it's just a very peaceful thing and just all the scriptures that talk about jesus being that great shepherd of the sheep Isaiah 40 as well. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. The very picture of the sky. He says, I'll save my flock. I'll judge between one sheep and another. Ezekiel 34. Or 1 Peter 5. When the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And wrapping up here now, Our heavenly home, the Big Dipper, just like cancer has that same message of assembled thousands and whatnot. look at the names in the Big Dipper here. Now again here's that verse in Isaiah 14, the sides of the north, in the northern sky is the throne of God according to Isaiah 14. We're going to go to the throne of God. Star names in the Big Dipper are herd of animals or flock, purchased, flock or purchased, Visited, guarded, or numbered. Remember, cancer, hiding place, sheltered. Now they're guarded. Separate. We just read a verse how he's going to separate one sheep from another. The daughters of the assembly. Sheepfold. Multitude assembled. The assembled. Protected. Ladder, herd, or flock. That's an interesting one. The ladder flock. Company of travelers. Appointed sheepfold. So, all of this is basically biblical. Like I said, I don't want you to be too pinpoint accurate on this, I, I don't know. There's a lot of maybe reading into some things, but at the same time I also see a general picture that definitely shows up in the sky and with the star names. And none of it is new information, so we're not you know, making prophecies that aren't in scripture, we're not giving you fortune telling, we're not doing any of that. We're just simply highlighting what's in God's creation. And saying it lines up exactly with what Scripture says. And Josephus says he did it. We see that Romans quote Psalms saying that they declare the glory of God. And they gave the word of Christ to Israel. This all sounds like the word of Christ to me. So closing out, just to give you a rundown again. Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary... Dies on the cross to take away your sins. In so doing has his heel bruised. But crushes the head of Satan. So that when he comes back. He will put down your enemy forever. So we see in essence. From beginning to end. This one now focuses only on the sacrifice of the cross. And then the next one. Only on the second coming. We see that. Dying on the cross. Rising he pours his spirit to his sheep. Who are still not united fully yet. But uh, are receiving the blessings and then Aries will free them and be the one that they live with. Then Taurus, the bull, he comes to judge the world, to bring the wedding banquet of the Lamb, to live in heaven with the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's the picture. Yeah? So when you're born, what they try to connect that to, doesn't have any significance? Nothing. Ignore all of that. I don't pay any attention to it. When people are born, that's what they try to say. What's your sign? Oh, I'm a Gemini. or what? I could care less. That means nothing. That's where astrology comes in and horoscopes. And that's where they try to um, uh, you know, tell your future, what personality you're going to have, because this is when the stars are aligned with you know, these constellations. And I think, like you said, the sun and all of that kind of stuff. I don't care about any of that and won't even look at it. That's astrology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Astrology is about us, falsely so even, but this is about astronomy is about God declaring his glory. All right, we'll close in prayer. I know that's a little different for our study, but I thought like I said with tabernacles, very fitting as you go out and look at the stars here tonight. Maybe teach your kids to recognize these things in the stars so that they can find and identify those constellations and be reminded I know every time that I go out and I sit in our hot tub we see the northern sky and I'm looking for Cassiopeia and Perseus and all of these and I'm looking for uh, the, the, our heavenly home I'm reminded of it another tidbit maybe you don't know this but did you know that the stars can be a, a clock in the sky too if you look at the northern star and the Big Dipper the Big Dipper rotates around the North Star and every two hours it will move one hour on a, a if you put a clock number around the North Star you can always tell what time it is by that now again you have to have your starting point because of different parts of the world and whatnot but it is accurate if you know where it's supposed to be at a time you know then from there on you can tell what time it is so it's orderly. God's creation, his it's a very orderly thing. All right, let's uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this time and we thank you for your creation. Lord, we do not worship it, but boy, do we see your glory, your power, your majesty, your qualities in it. May we, as we go out today and look at the trees and the birds and the, even the breeze blowing in the wind and the stars tonight, that may we give you glory, honor, and praise, knowing that the message of Scripture has been imprinted on your very creation. And may we be uh, another part of that creation that your gospel is imprinted upon. That as people see us, they too would see your glory, your power, your majesty, your love and your judgment to come. In Yeshua's name, amen.